So turn with me again, James chapter 3, starting in verse 1, we're going to talk about the tongue, the tongue today. Now many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Let's pray. Heavenly Fathers, we today consider your word, consider the warnings that you've given us through your Apostle James concerning our speech. Uh, may it be ever-present that you are the one uh, that changes us, that makes that speech not be what it once was, but to be honoring to you. So, Lord, let me speak clearly and accurately. I do not want to misrepresent any of your words, dear Lord. Um, Thank you for all you've done in your son's name. Amen. All right, so before we get decided, before we get started, I want to just mention a couple of things what I'm not talking about today. Okay, number one, I'm not talking about tongues. I'm not talking about the gift of tongues that was given to the early church for the building up of the church. And we're not speaking of that. And we're not going to have an anatomy lesson on the tongue. Okay, the tongue is nothing but a muscle in your mouth your slimy mouth full of bacteria, nothing but that. So we're not going to do that. But James here speaks of the tongue as if it, um, it kind of acts on its own, has a mind of its own. Um, what we're going to talk about is what we mean by tongue is our speech, our words, the things that we say to each other. Um, that is what James is referring to as the tongue. We cannot tame it. It is a restless evil, as he, as he spoke of. But as, he, as, he, as I said before, he kind of personifies his tongue into thinking that the tongue itself kind of acts on its own. Well, it, we know it doesn't. We know that the tongue is just kind of the end organ. Our speech is the end organ that shows what's in our mind and in our heart. Okay? And again, that's hard to control. And in the Hebrew way of thinking, they attribute things to the member of the body that actually performs that function. 
okay, like the tongue. They, they say the tongue does this, the tongue does that, because that's what actually performs the function, although we know that comes from something deeper inside us. They also mentioned uh, feet are swift to shed blood. They kind of attribute to the feet the murder that the actual body, the heart, and the mind commit. Or eyes of adultery. It's not your eyes that do the adultery, but your mind and your heart that actually commits that adultery. So in the Hebrew thought, that's how it is. But we know that it comes from, from down deeper. So, Nick, if you show me my, just to illustrate where your words come from, I have this highly anatomic drawing up here that I constructed in my own laboratory, okay? Um, this is you and me. Okay, I think it looks more like me than you probably, but that's a person, if you can't, you can't tell from back there, okay? It's got a head, it's got eyes, it's got a mouth, it's got sort of arms and shoulders. Uh, but it, the main things I want you to draw attention to is, like you and I, it has a mind and it has a heart. And again, the heart here, heart and mind in, in the Bible, this is, we're not talking about the, the muscle of the heart again, but... The heart and the mind are kind of one in Hebrew thought. That's your soul. That's, that's who you are. That's, that's your deepest uh, meaning. So when, uh, so when the uh, Bible speaks of your heart, it's not just your heart, heart and mind. What makes you you? What makes you do that? So as you can see here, thing, then I drew a tongue. Uh, you can probably tell that it's probably not to proportion. Some of you may have a tongue that big. I don't know. But we've all got one. And you can see these little arrows that you draw, that, that you can see, maybe. There's one drawn from the heart to the tongue, and there's one drawn from the mind to the tongue. Okay? So that is what ultimately controls your tongue. But what ultimately controls your heart and your mind is written up there above. And so this, this represents all... People. This represents all mankind. Up on the left, you may not be able to read it, it says unregenerate. Okay, unregenerate. That's before we became Christians. Okay, all of us were on the left there at one point in time. Okay, and on the right it says regenerate. Okay, Holy Spirit. So, before we come to Christ, before Christ regenerates us, before Christ makes us a new creation, our unregenerate nature is controlled by Satan. And therefore, Satan actually is control of our heart and our mind. Okay? Once we are regenerated and become a new creation in Christ, we are now, our heart and mind is controlled by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so does that make sense? And then the, our heart and mind, whatever controls our heart and mind, controls our tongue, controls our speech, controls what we say. Um, I threw that little thing, food, in there because, you know, Jesus said it's not what you eat that defiles you because it goes down, just kind of comes out. It doesn't go to the heart and mind. I mean, scientifically, you get a little nutrition from it, but it doesn't defile you. But what comes out of you, what you say, the words you say, the things you do, that's what defiles a man. So we know that when James now, you can go to the next, next slide again. Um, what James is speaking of, the tongue here, is controlled by our heart and our mind. Um, in Psalm 64, the tongue, and we sang it in the song just a second ago, is described as an arrow uh, because, you know, a tongue can kill at a distance. You don't have to be right next to it. It's, it's the words you say that, that, that says it's, 
and, and it lives inside your mouth, so you could kind of think of it as, as a concealed weapon. Um, you've, heard the, you've heard the expression that you are what you eat, and my son really believes in that, you are what you eat, but more so you are what you speak, you are what you say, because what you speak, what you say comes out of the heart and mind that you have. Okay, so people know you by, what you, by the words that you speak. And we speak many words a day, uh, some people more than others. Uh, there was a study that uh, um, uh, somehow determined that a man speaks about 25,000 words a day, women about 30,000 words a day. We can all understand that, right? Okay. The only difference is, you know, when men come home at night, they've already used up their 25,000, and the women are just... So we all experience that as well. And you know, one of the first sins committed, Adam, um, Adam sinned after, right after he ate the fruit of the apple. You know, he, he sinned with his mouth by saying to God, well, you know, that woman you gave me made me do that. He kind of blasphemed God in doing that. And Isaiah in the Old Testament, what did he do when he came into contact with the Holy God? He said, I'm a man of unclean lips. He realized his unholiness and his sinfulness once he compared himself to a holy God. I'm a man of unclean lips from a people of unclean lips. So really no part of you and me is more representative of our depravity, our sinfulness, than our tongue, our mouth, what we speak. Okay, so no wonder James calls us to, that we need to control, that we need to tame the tongue. Um, and James, by way, the Holy Spirit basically says this, that if you're a new Christian, I'm not a new Christian, but if you're a new creation and you're a true believer, you're truly regenerated by the Holy Spirit, that you will manifest that standing by what you say. Your tongue will show that. And we'll go on to show it. But he gives several warnings about how the tongue can corrupt you. So here's the, the kind of the gist of today. If, you're, if you are a new creation, if you are a true believer in God, if you are truly regenerated, you will control your tongue. You will bridle your tongue. You will sanctify your tongue. You will make it more like God. But at the same time, if you are a true believer and you are a new creation and you are regenerated by the Holy Spirit, you must control your tongue. Okay, so that's... That's kind of that, uh, that tension that we all have. The first thing I said is a sovereign reality. You will control. If you are regenerate, if you are a true believer, you will control your tongue. You will tame your tongue. At the same time, we must do it. We must do it. That's our human responsibility to do that. It's no different than um, the same tension you have chosen before the foundation of the world, but you must believe. Okay, uh, and the Bible tells us that we will be uh, that we that the elect, those that, that love God, will persevere to the end. But we got to do that persevering. Okay, it's no different than we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. But we got to do the works, right? We got to do it. Um, so, what he's saying here is, you don't once you become a new creation, once God regenerates you. You don't just sit back and say, okay, control my tongue. You know, I don't need to do anything about it. No, we must do that. We must do that. Earlier in, in uh, James in chapter 1, verse 26, he, 
he says this. He says, um, if you think you're religious and you don't bridle your tongue, then you have deceived your heart and your religion is worthless. So think about that. If we think, if we claim to be a Christian, but we don't bridle our tongue, we've actually deceived ourselves and our own heart, uh, and our religion is totally worthless, means of no value. And, and you could interpret that as saying, well, you know, if you, if you don't clean up your, what you say, you're no good witness to God. But really, I think it's more than that. I think if you do not tame your tongue, you claim to be a Christian, I think you really have to examine yourself inside. Are you truly in the faith? Are you truly regenerated? Are you truly that new creation? Uh, that's, that's something we all need to think about quite a bit. Um, so how does that work? I mean, God, we will, he states, we will do good works, okay, but we got to do them, okay? He says we will persevere, but we got to actually do that. And again, that means we don't just sit back and do something, but we, we do it through our commitment to doing it. I mean, it's pretty much as simple as that. Um, but that commitment really is not done under your own power, okay? It's the power of that commitment is mediated by the Holy Spirit living in your heart and your mind, okay? And in and of ourselves, we cannot control the tongue. James says that a little bit later. No human can control the tongue. But if we have the Holy Spirit living in us, if we are truly a new creation, if we are truly regenerated, Okay, we are able to do those things. We are able to persevere. We are able to do works that were prepared beforehand for us to do. We can control the tongue. Okay, so it's a spirit-mediated commitment, but it's something you have to do. All right, so then James, I guess now we'll get to our, our uh, verses for today. Um, James talks about the tongue, stating how corrupt it can be and uh, describes it really in great detail with analogies that make it clear. So there's really kind of a, about, I actually have an alliteration to go here. I have some to start, four things to start with the letter C and one that doesn't. Okay, the tongue can condemn you. The tongue will corrupt you. The tongue is always trying to control you, even though it itself is uncontrollable. That's not a C, but there's a U in the front of that. And the tongue will cause you to compromise. The tongue will compromise with you. So let's start in verse 1 here, talking about how the tongue will condemn you. He's, James starts off by speaking to teachers, teachers of the Word of God. He says, not many of you, and this is a warning, should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So this word teacher, um, didakalos, Okay, a lot of places is translated master, so that so he's talking about kind of uh, uh, kind of official teachers, kind of at James' time, you know, in the synagogue there were the official rabbis who taught. Um, they were you know, Pharisees as well. The early church had official teachers that were uh, uh, designated for that particular thing. They uh, even in the early church, like uh, they had visiting teachers. Well, Jesus was a visiting teacher. Every time he came to synagogue. You know, that wasn't his synagogue. You know, he, he was a visiting teacher. Uh, Paul, every time he went on a missionary journey, he was a visiting teacher as well. But a teacher nonetheless. And so what he says here is that they, and he includes himself in it, we who teach, 
will be judged with greater strictness. He warns them not to take this teaching job too lightly. Okay, he's not saying we don't need teachers, okay, because we do need teachers of the word, good teachers of the world. But he says, not many of you should become. You need to take it with all seriousness. And the reason is because you're going to be judged stricter, okay, by what you say. And not many of you should do it because you all have a tongue. And that tongue will condemn you. Okay, that tongue will slip. That tongue will betray you. Um... And so for that reason, you do not take that job lightly. Um, you know, teachers themselves, they, they rely on their tongue. They rely on their speech. They rely, that's what they do. And so you need to be, think very serious before you embark on teaching the Word of God because it's a very dangerous occupation. If we're going to be treated with stricter judgment, we really have to control our tongue. We really have to watch what we say. We have to um, be aware of that. Uh, earlier, he said in James, be swift to hear, but slow to speak. Okay, that's a very good, very good advice. Um, so all teachers, whether they be um, uh, those that preach, those that teach Sunday school, those that lead a Bible study, don't take it lightly. Okay, don't take it lightly. You will be judge with greater strictness by what you say and you do have a tongue you, that will betray you so your tongue can definitely condemn yourself easily sometimes it just jumps out there um, and we all stumble in many ways that stumble means kind of have moral lapse uh, you know sin do things we shouldn't do um, and the, one of the easiest way that we stumble is with our tongue it, what we say that's probably the easiest. You know, all, most other sins, you have to have the opportunity. You have to be put in a situation to do that sin. But a tongue, man, it's in your mind. It comes out. It's, it's very simple to sin, to stumble with your tongue. And did you know that your eternal destiny will be determined by what you say? Did you know that? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. And this is, uh, this is Jesus dialoguing with the Pharisees after they had just um, accused him of doing what he did by, by the power of Satan. And so he knew that the Pharisees were evil in their hearts. And so Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse, um, let's say, 33. Gee, these are words of Jesus. He says to the Pharisees, either make the tree good... And it's fruit good, the tree being you, us, okay? Uh, or make the tree bad and it's fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. That's an awesome thing. We are known by our fruit. We are known by what we say, by what we do, correct? Verse 34, you brood of vipers. How can you speak good when you're evil? Hmm. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So Jesus is saying there, what you say is coming from inside you, from your heart, from who you are, from who controls your heart. Um, verse 35, the good person out of the good treasure brings forth good. So the good person with the good heart, controlled by the Holy Spirit, brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Verse 36, and this is where it gets kind of scary. I tell you, 
On the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Hmm. Every word. Okay, verse 37. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Hmm. Now, I thought I was justified by faith in Jesus. So what, is, what, is, what does Jesus mean here when he says that by your words, you'll be justified or by your words, you will be condemned? Well, really, just what he said earlier, that whatever words you say are coming from the heart. And if your heart is not right, your words will not be right. And so your, your words are really the someone looking inside your heart to seeing what it is. Okay, your words are indicative of where your heart is. So by your words, you will be justified, or by your words, you will be condemned. Um, so let's go on back to... Uh, Back to James. Um, this is a uh, really an interesting sentence that he says here that I think we can learn a lot from. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, okay, he is a perfect man. He is able also to bridle his whole body. All right, so we got to, what does James mean here? Again, stumble, moral lapses. If you don't ever stumble in what you say you're a perfect man now perfect can mean perfect um, you know without flaw but perfect man I mean, there's only one perfect man and that was Jesus okay he he there was no deceit found in his mouth um, you know he did not sin he took our sin he became sin for us but he did not sin his holy life and so he may be speaking kind of uh, hypothetically here that if you control your tongue you'll be christ-like you'll be like jesus and he may mean that but the word perfect the greek word there is teleos which in other places and in philippians where we've been studying for the last several months that same word is used and it really re represents being spiritually mature or spiritually striving to be christ-like uh, it actually means complete um, so if he if he means it in that sense he says if anyone does not stumble in what he says, in other words, if, if someone is able to control his tongue, what he says and speaks, he is spiritually mature, complete, and also able to bridle his whole body. Now think about that for a minute. He's saying, okay, if you're good enough to control your tongue, okay, because your tongue, you know, it, it's the easiest part of you that can sin. I mean, you can sin with your tongue more easily than any other member of your body. So if you can control your tongue, you should be able to control the rest of your body. It kind of that argument going from the greater to the lesser. It's harder to control your tongue. It's easier to control the rest of you. Okay, so, so what that says to me, that if I'm trying to work on how I am, I'm going to work on what I say first. I'm going to work on my tongue. I'm going to do what I need to do to control that tongue because he says the rest of it will follow. That's really good spiritual advice to those that are um, those that will accept it. And then he gives an illustration that just fits it to the T in verse 3. He said, okay, if we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Okay, so a bit sits on top of the tongue of the horse, right? And with that, he can guide his whole body. Kind of the same thing he's talking about. Have you ever noticed a horse 
before it's broken. You know, a horse is pretty worthless unless it's broken. I mean, you know, a horse doesn't ever volunteer to plow a field or or to, uh, <clears throat> you know, pull a cart or anything like that. But once it's broken, it is very useful, okay, just like us, okay, just like us. Once we are broken, once our tongue is under control, we can be very useful. So the tongue, uh, we spoke about can condemn us, but the tongue also wants to control us, okay, wants to control us. Look at verse 4 here. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So large ship, small rudder, but that rudder controls the ship. Okay. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of these great things. So it's a small member, but it boasts of being able to control the whole body. Um, it's kind of like, and if you can control that, you know, it's kind of like the master switch. If you can control that, if you have uh, control over that master switch, you have control over all the other switches in your fuse box. Or not a fuse box, it's a circuit breaker box, all right? For those of you who are old, know what a fuse box is, right? Um, um, so, um, so what he's saying here, it's a small member, but it wants to control you. And it boasts of that. It boasts of being able to control you. And a couple uh, verses later, it says... It can set on fire the entire course of your life. It can, it can change the entire course of your life. What you say affects not only you, but it affects everyone that hears what you say, and then what they hear, and what they hear, and what they hear. So, so it can affect, it can control basically the course of your life. It can control you, so you need to get control of it. So the tongue can condemn, it can control. Um, you know, and it's universally spoken of in the Bible as being corrupt and in the negative sense. Um, just a, a quick, if you just did a word search in the Bible of the word tongue and you looked them up, let me just read to you some of the adjectives placed before tongue that describe the tongue in the Bible. And just think, is it, are any of these me, okay, or you, okay, for wicked tongue? Deceitful tongue, a lying tongue, a perverse tongue, a filthy tongue, a corrupt tongue, a bitter tongue, an angry tongue, crafty tongue, a flattering tongue, a slanderous tongue, a gossiping tongue, a backbiting tongue, a blaspheming tongue, a foolish tongue, a boasting tongue, a murmuring tongue, a complaining tongue. Hmm. A cursing tongue, a contentious tongue, a sensual tongue, a vile tongue, a whispering tongue, or a tail-bearing tongue, meaning kind of a gossiping tongue, the same thing. So the tongue is universally described in the negative, um, and I think we can all see ourselves in some of those lists that it's described. But the tongue can also corrupt... Uh, and James warns us of that starting in verse 5 when he speaks of this, how great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. Now, that's, a, that's just a truism. We, we all know that you know, only you can prevent forest fires. That one little cigarette, that one little spark, and the fire spreads. And, and you know, uh, remember the Chicago fire, one lantern gets knocked over. I guess that's really what happened, but that's what the song says. 
uh, gets knocked over and it burns up 17,000 homes, 125,000 people being homeless. One small thing. It, as long as a fire, and a fire is the only element or the only thing that does this, that as long as it's got fuel to burn and oxygen, it keeps spreading. Okay? Uh, think of something like water. If you put a little drop of water somewhere, it's not going to turn into a big flood. You know, it's just going to dry up and go away. But a fire, you put one little spark of fire, and it, and it spreads. It keeps going. And so the tongue, verse 6, and the tongue is a fire. Okay? And, and here he's really referring to, to gossiping lies, things that can spread so easily, so easily. Um, a couple of Proverbs that speak to that as well. Proverbs 16, 27 says this, A worthless man plots evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. Proverbs 26, 21, As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. So it needs fuel, it needs a charcoal, it needs a wood. And in Proverbs, right before that, uh, Solomon said this, for lack of wood, the fire goes out. Hmm. And where there is no whisper or, or tailberg, someone gossiping, the quarrel. So the fire has to have fuel to keep it going. But your tongue is that fire. Your tongue can do that. And it's described in four elements here. It's a world of unrighteousness or a world of iniquity. That world is, I mean, that word for world is cosmos. Uh, a world system. It 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 is it is negative. It is unrighteous. It will it will betray you. Um, not only that, it will stain the whole body. There in verse six as well, or defile the whole body. Some of your translations may say, and that's you can think of that like you know, we're speaking of fire now. If you've ever been to a fire sale and you bought something that's been smoked on, once it's in that furniture, once it's in that clothes. It's always in there. It's stained the whole body. It's always going to be stained. And that's what the tongue is described as doing as well. And then it can set on fire the entire course of life. Your tongue, what you say, your speech, the words you say, how you address people and, and treat people uh, will really determine where your life goes. Um, and it affects not only you, not only your immediate people, but just down the line. It, it just spreads and spreads and spreads. Um, and then it's set on fire by hell. Okay, that word hell takes, needs a little explanation. That word in the Greek is Gehenna, or Gehenna, however you want to say it. And it actually is a place uh, that's Greek for the Valley of Hinnon. Okay, but this word Gehenna is, o Gehenna is only used in the Synoptic Gospels to speak of hell and only by Jesus. Okay, this is the only other place it's found. And so just so you understand kind of what Jesus meant when he used it and what James means is, is again, this describes a place, the Valley of Hinnon. And, and it's a place south of Jerusalem that is actually the dump. Uh, it's a fire that continually uh, burns. But what the reason it is the dump and the reason it is referred to as hell is, and you have to turn it back in Second Kings when, Remember the young, uh, young King Josiah ha had a uh, revival in the land? And during that time, before that revival, um, the uh, children of Israel were worshiping idols uh, and, and other gods, many of them. One of them uh, was a god called Molech. Uh, and that god uh, basically 
required child sacrifices. So the children of Israel, in their idolatry, would sacrifice their children to this God. And, and that the God was kind of like a big bull with its arm out. So they put the child on the, on the arm and they'd burn him. Uh, and they did this in this valley of Hinnom. That's, that's where it took place. That was their, their, um, their uh, uh, place of worship for these idols. And so when Josiah came along, he destroyed that. He burned it. And because it was so hideous to the, to the children of Jerusalem, uh, or the children of Israel, uh, they, that became their dump. That's where they put all their trash. They would burn it. That's where they'd put dead bodies, criminals. Um, and in order to, to keep that burning, that fire had to burn day and night. And so it's no wonder that Jesus kind of used that example of what hell would be like, what eternal damnation would be like. You know, it's where the worm never dies and the, the fire never goes out and the thirst is never quenched. So in the same reason here, hell, Satan, your tongue, is set on course by Satan, who is over hell. So that, that is a very descriptive way of, of uh, uh, describing your tongue as well. So the tongue will corrupt you because of what it is, because it is controlled by Satan in your unregenerate state. Okay. But the tongue is, uh, James also says the tongue is uncontrollable, untamable by man. Look at verse 7 and 8 here. It says, um, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So every bird, every beast and bird, every reptile, and, and, and we all know that we're, we're at the top of the food chain. We are able to tame even creatures that are stronger and, and faster than us. But because God placed us where we are, we are, have dominion over them and we can tame them. And if you think even back in, at the time of Noah, how did he get two of everything walking on the ark? No scuffles, no fights. I mean, he, he had them tamed. So we can tame any, his, his analogy here is we can tame any creature but our own tongue, but our own tongue. But you have to look at it closely. No human being can tame the tongue. So we know that on our own, we cannot do it, okay? But God can do it. And even David knew that. In Psalm 141, he, he prayed to God for this. He knew that his tongue could be easily uh, condemn him. He says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth and keep watch over the door of my lips. So he knew that he needed help. He knew that God would be the one that could control his speech, what he said and what he did. And then it's a deadly poison um, or it's a restless evil. Uh, that word restless, a lot of places translated useless, but that's not... Um, that's not really it. It's more like a, um, like a caged animal or an animal that is kind of fighting to get out of captivity. That's kind of what he's talking about here. <clears throat> and a deadly poison. Lies are poison. Uh, gossip is poison. Um, you know, David, um, David knew that as well. And let me just read to you. You don't need to turn there, but I'm going to read to you. Four, of, um, it speaks of lies. You know, David is a, Military commander, okay, he knew, he knew military might was important. He also knew God, though, 
was in charge of all that. But he knew the deadly effects of lies because he was lied about and lied to on many occasions. Um, and so he writes this in Psalm 64. Hear my voice, O God, in my complaint. Preserve my life from the dread of the enemy. Hide from me the secret plots of the wicked from the throng of evildoers who wet their tongues. That word means wet, means sharpen, W-H-E-T, who sharpen their tongues like swords and who aim their bitter arrows, their, their bitter words like arrows. Again, uh, shooting from ambush at the blameless, so lies will affect even those blameless people, those who are not part of who they're aimed at. Um, shooting at him suddenly and without fear, it says, they hold fast to their evil purpose, and they talk of laying snares secretly, thinking who can see them. So they're using their words, okay? They search out injustice, saying we have accomplished a diligent search for the inward mind and heart of a man are deep. So these evil lies come from the inward part of that man because it's deep. And then verse 7 says, but God shoots his arrows at them, and they are wounded suddenly. They are brought to ruin with their own tongues turned against them. So God... God is in control. God can tame your tongue. Doesn't mean you don't do anything, but God is necessary to tame your tongue. I, this is a good way of saying it. So, you know, all throughout the Old Testament, New Testament, lies, deceits um, <clears throat> have caused numerous deaths. Uh, if you think of Stephen the martyr, he, he was martyred because they, they lied about him misrepresenting the law of Moses. Uh, our Lord Jesus, lies are what crucified him as well, too. Now, that was all in the plan of God, but lies can hurt. Lies can, can cause definite injury. When you think of um, also back in, um, in the book of Esther, um, if you recall that, Haman, who was the, one of the king's um, princes, I guess, one of his, his, his higher-ups, I guess we'll put it that way, set out a, a series of lies and was going to exterminate of the Israel all over the kingdom. This is while they were in dispersion, okay? And his lies started that, but he was thwarted by by Esther and Mordecai, and eventually Haman actually got hung on the gallows that Haman made to hang Mordecai and some of the Jews. So God turned it around on them. But lies, lies uh, are harmful, hurtful as well. And finally, he says, the tongue will cause you to compromise. Um, verse 10, for from the same mouth <coughs> come blessing and cursing. Or back up to 9, talking about the tongue. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. For from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Okay, and that's a very strong negative. That's not a suggestion. That's a command. These things should not be so. Um, he said, he's saying there's no place in the life of a Christian uh, for that kind of speech, for blessing one person, cursing another person. Um, there's no place for, for uh, lies. There's no place for the gossip. There's no place for um, the corruptive speech that we have or the condescending speech that we can give to other people 
But no, our words, our speech should be, uh, because he gave us a new heart, he gave us this new tongue. So our speech should be gracious, it should be uplifting, it should be true, um, it should glorify God. You know, our yes should be yes, our no should be no. That is what we are called to be. And then he gives these examples that really kind of kind of solidify it. It says this. It just these things. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? No. Okay. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? No. Can a grapevine produce figs? No. Okay, neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So what he's saying here is that what, <clears throat> what you are created for is what you're going to produce. If you're created a fig tree, you're going to produce figs. If you're created a grapevine, you're going to produce grapes. If you're a good tree, you're going to produce good fruit. If you're a bad tree, you're going to produce bad fruit. Um, if you have a good heart, you're going to produce good speech. Okay, you're going to produce what you were created to do. And once we are created anew in Christ Jesus, we are created for the good speech. We are created uh, to tame our tongue, to keep that old away and place anew in. Now, we won't always do that perfectly, but that's what we are created to do. Uh, you will produce what you were created for. And so though, although James uh, gives many warnings about the tongue, about how bad it is, about how corrupt it is, how it's condemning, um, how it will cause you to compromise, how it's uncontrollable by any human means. He says, he says this, you can control it because you are a new creation. You are regenerated by the Spirit. You are, um, and, and because you have the Spirit living in you, you are able to control the tongue by the power of the Spirit in you. On your own, you cannot do it. So that power is mediated by the Spirit. So you don't want to be like what he spoke of earlier, which I mentioned in James 1, about the, um, I'll read it to you one more time. James 1, 26, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. So if any of you think you're a Christian and your tongue is not bridled, okay, you are truly self-deceived. Um, and you need to examine yourself. You need to examine yourself to see if you are truly in the faith. Because if you are a new creation, you've been given a new mind, you've been given a new heart, you've been given a new tongue. Okay, you will, you will show that. You will manifest that in the world around you. So as I said earlier, uh, true believers, those that are uh, new creations, those that are regenerated, will control their tongue they will be able to bridle their tongue they will be able to tame their tongue but you must do it with the power of the holy spirit in you okay let's pray heavenly father we uh we thank you so much for the warnings given here uh that your holy spirit spoke through james to us to warn us of uh the corruption that the tongue can wreak on us but also the confidence that you give us here as well knowing that uh, through your spirit living in us, us being a new creation, these things ought not be so. These things, we will manifest who we belong to, dear Lord. Uh, we thank you so much for this time that we can study your word. Um, and I pray that as we go forth from here, we will continue to um, tame our tongue.
In your son's name we pray. Amen.